Welcome to Social Distance Warriors podcast. It's about the pandemic and related topics. The day that we're recording it is Tuesday, December 21st in the year 2021. And my name is Tom. I'm Rat, and I'm not an expert on the mm. COVID-19 coronavirus, even though you'd think by this point, maybe I would be, but I'm not. Mm. Yeah, I'm not an expert either. I forgot to mention that. Yeah. I want to break our format a little bit. Is that all right with you? Yes, let's do it. Okay. And the way I want to break our format is I want to do action item follow up right up top. Okay. Are you all right with that? I'm I'm ready and willing and excited to break our format. Let's let's do it. There's a reason for that for for my desire to break it. <laughs> okay. And that reason is because one of our action items was to drink a nice hot soda. Did you do this? I did do this. Okay. I have not yet done it, but what I have done is heated up Dr Pepper poured it over lemon slices as the online recipes I found suggested, and it's sitting right in front of me, nice and hot and ready. <laughs> so I know on-air eating and drinking is not allowed in podcasts, so I'll edit out the mouth sounds of me drinking. <laughs> okay. But I am going to sample it for the first time right now. Okay. Um, assuming it's not too hot because I... Yeah, that was one of my uh, issues when I tried hot Dr. Pepper <laughs> is, boy, can it get hot. <laughs> Okay, so let me see. You can do like the thing they do um, for giving babies bottles of formula where you like dip your finger in to see if it's too hot to touch. Mm. You know what? That's really good. <laughs> I really like that. What's your take? Um, I prefer cold Dr. Pepper. I think I do too. But um, my housemate, Madison, who was a guest on our last episode, she she's a fan. I found it is much sweeter somehow heated up um maybe because it is not as bubbly Mm. um and it was like so sweet for me but madison um is a self-proclaimed like sweet tooth haver so um i think your appreciation for dr pepper as a soda may be helping you and i didn't hate it but i would not seek it out the hot Dr. Pepper. Yeah, I mean, I will say a couple things. First of all, I think the the lemon is really helping here. Did you use a lemon or did you just drink it drink it straight up hot soda? It was, um, I didn't add anything, but it was a Dr. Pepper-like cream soda flavored. Like it itself had an oh, okay. additional flavor. Interesting. Yeah, my, and mine is not yes. Dr. Pepper. It is Diet Dr. Pepper, actually, ah. which might make the difference... With regard to sweetness, I generally do not like sugary sodas at all, so I will never drink them. But Diet Dr. Pepper is one of my favorite sodas, and I think the the lemon is really is really the star here. It's it's bringing out bringing something out of the hot pep that would otherwise um, not be there. I do think hot pep is good. That is the way we should be referring to it from now on. Hot pep. Mm, yeah, yeah. You know what? The, I, I I like this. I don't think I'm going to make it a regular habit because there are better hot drinks. But you know, it's pretty good. Thank you for sharing this experience with me and the listeners. Uh, That was very generous of you to do. Mm, Yeah, I'm going to edit out any drinking sounds, except just for authenticity's sake, I'm going to have one significant (laughs) drinking sound right now. So if you don't want drinking sounds, just skip skip ahead on your podcast, hit that 15 second skip button or whatever uh, you have. (sighs) Okay. Wow. I know, I know that eating and drinking it's, on mic is real. a bone of contention for many podcast listeners. And I know that some yeah. some podcasters will do it on mic as a joke just to kind of troll their listeners. Mm-hmm. But here at Social Distance Warriors, we uh we let you know when we're gonna troll you. Yeah, yeah. So that's one of our action items. We had we had two others though. <laughs> 
Yeah. Oh, God, do we have two others? Maybe I'll let you uh, (laughs) read the other action items because I don't have all of them, I don't think. (laughs) So one was the hot soda. The other one, the one from you, I believe, was obtain a 2022 calendar. Ah, yes, that's one I didn't do. (laughs) Mm, I haven't done it yet either. Part of it feels, it feels wrong to me to get a 2022's calendar at this stage. And I think part of the reason for that is because a calendar for the following year, I don't know if it's a traditional Hanukkah gift, but it's a traditional Christmas gift. Mm -hmm. And since Christmas is still pending as of this recording, whereas Hanukkah has concluded, I don't know, maybe you now feel free to do your own calendar searching. (laughs) But, um... I have yet to. Yeah, that's true. You could you could just be flooded with calendars uh, come Christmas Day. Yeah, I feel like the traditional know. one is like a page a day calendar where you pull it off mm-hmm. and there's a new Far Side cartoon or a new. I, don't know, I feel like you know what would be really cool a Homestuck page a day calendar. Each day is a new panel from Homestuck, like a different panel from Homestuck, or or maybe a piece of fan art or something. I know that traditionally, I don't know if they still do this, but what they used to do, what Pumpkin used to used to produce a a yearly calendar where each calendar had you know twelve pieces of fan made art, and I don't know if they still do that. But yeah, that was that was always a cool thing. Yeah, I guess it is like when you do like the one picture f- for one month, you do really have to limit yourself down to so few but yeah i don't have a calendar yet and i'm making do (laughs) with extending my 2021 calendar writing things as i make plans that happen in january but do not have a january extended calendar just scrawling little notes at the end of my december okay yeah that makes sense yeah (laughs) but you but you can't stop time do you use a physical calendar much yeah i do see I'm, i'm very much a digital calendar person But in this past year, I have made a couple of different attempts to get into not so much calendars, but physical day planners. I think Mm -hmm. we chronicled previously at some point my foray into bullet journaling. Yes, which is not a planner, but it is it by date? No, well, no. I mean, it's it's a bespoke planner that you kind of make as you go, and it's not really a planner, but you can use it in a kind of a plenary way. And that never really took off. But what I have been doing is I've been using the full focus planner. I don't know if we ever talked about that, but back in September, I picked up a full focus planner, which is rather it's more expensive than I would have liked, but I, it looked really cool, so I bought it. And it's forty dollars for a for a planner that covers three months. Wow! So. That's a good chunk of change every year. Yeah, they got to really fully focus you. Yeah, yeah. Each each day has like a two-day spread in the planner and then there are like weekly planning and monthly planning pages. And I I found that that's very helpful to me. So I'm on the, the Homestuck merch page and I see there's a 2021 calendar, it looks like, but no 2022 calendar. Yeah, so. <laughs> that's funny. I was also banking on sort of, um, I had vague mem- memories of um, Terry Pratchett's uh, Discworld. They had done a 2021 Discworld calendar, but apparently not hmm. a 2022. Oh. <laughs> so. But anyhow, yeah. So so, so my, my, um, my physical timekeeping needs are less met by like a wall calendar or a desk calendar or anything like mm. that It's or, or a page-a-day calendar. I'm wrapping up my three-month period with this planner and I, I need a new one, so I, I am hoping to receive. That is one of the gifts I'm hoping that I will receive from, from Santa Santa Claus. We did have one um, more action item yes, that did. I did write down, and that was from uh, my housemate Madison. It was to an, an make an attempt at or to examine something you haven't done in a while. Yeah, I wrote that down as examine something you did a long time ago, so... Did you do this? You could say, <laughs> yeah, um, I have restarted therapy with an individual therapist. And oh. part of that that I am 
hoping to get out of the therapy involves um, clearing out stuff in my childhood bedroom. And so, yeah, I am (laughs) making steps towards sort of like um, going through a lot of like, you know, papers that I did in high school and college and that kind of a thing. Mm. Yeah, that's that's nice. I haven't. um... Yeah, but I don't want to. (laughs) I don't think in the time since we last recorded, I don't think I really revisit anything from my past. This is something I have done recently, though. I, I don't remember whether I talked about this on a previous recording, but I revisited the paper I wrote senior year of high school on Dune just to reread it. Yeah. And that was interesting to reread. I was like, oh, this is a pretty good paper. So I still agree with the arguments I'm making here. So that's pretty cool. I also have – so I have a piece of homework from 10th grade hanging in my uh, hanging in my room right now. And it requires a little bit of explanation for, for what this is. When I was in – geometry class in 10th grade, there was a teacher. His name was Mr. McCaffrey. His grading style was that you would do the homework from the book and he would grade it not on whether the the answers were correct, but on whether visible effort had been put into the homework. Hmm. So because this was geometry, this often involved like drawing triangles with a ruler and highlighting things different colors and like drawing angles and, and you know, rulers, protractors, all that kind of stuff. So I have a mild physical disability in terms of my motor skills in my hand mm. that are, are part of the reason why my handwriting is just got awful. I think it's a mild form of, of what you might know as dyspraxia, mm-hmm. um, which uh, it was never called that because I don't think that was the term that was in use by the people who diagnosed me at the time. I don't remember what it was called, but that's, that's basically what it is. It's, it's not severe, but it, it made it so that it was, it was very difficult for me to live up to the standards of like visible effort. Uh, met by this teacher. So I would always do, it would be a lot to say I always did the homework because I was a pretty inconsistent student uh, in terms of doing homework. But I would generally get the answers right and get poor grades because the effort wasn't visible. I decided one time that I was going to like bust out the colored pencils and highlighters and do like a beautiful masterwork of homework um, and like really take my time to make sure that the handwriting was super clean and legible, that everything was like organized and pretty looking and I was going to make sure and go through and make sure that all of the answers were completely incorrect and not only incorrect, but in some cases like nonsensical referencing non-existent like geometric theorems or like I I invented new (laughs) ways of doing. (laughs) I I see. You were really going for it. (laughs) Yeah. It was incredibly comically wrong. You were challenging your teacher to a mind game. Did did he play? Well, he gave me... Did he enter your game? He gave me a 10 out of 10 on the homework, <laughs> which is the only time I got a 10 out of 10 that year. And I don't know if it's because he just looked at it, saw, okay, yeah, looks like he did some effort on this, and then gave me a 10 out of 10. Or if he looked at it and saw, hang on, this guy doesn't usually do this for his homework, and then looked at it closer and knew that it was wrong and gave me a 10 out of 10 anyway, just because he was like, yeah, whatever. <laughs> yeah, I don't... I'll, I'll never really know. But I always found it like... I considered it a point of pride. And so it was hanging up in my childhood bedroom for a long time. And I recently, my my dad has converted my childhood bedroom into his home office. So it's been hanging in my dad's home office for quite some time. But about six months to a year ago, I was visiting home and I was like, hey, that's mine. That's my accomplishment to hang in my home office, not yours. Uh, and so now it is proudly displayed here on the cork board next to my desk. Happy, happy for you to have that there as a constant reminder of the kind of person you were <laughs> in high school and possibly still now. Yeah, I, I, I was a little shit, basically. And <laughs> I think I still have a little shit tendency to me. 
but yeah, those are, those are our action items. We can hold off on on proposing new action items till the end of the of the podcast. I just, yeah, we we don't want to get wild. We don't want to totally break <laughs> break our structure. I also don't want to let another episode go by without talking about Doctor Who colon flux. Doctor Who colon flux. Yeah, I watched that, and um, <laughs> unfortunately, time has passed that probably I don't have as coherent or not coherent as you can say the plot of Doctor Who colon Flux mm. was. I, I think I've lost sort of some of the pieces that they managed to pull together by now. But um, yeah, it was nice to have new Doctor Who and to kind of like watch it in a sort of like episodic fashion that we just haven't had that for a while. Yeah, I thought that was that was fun. The, it was six episodes long, and there were three episodes that I really really liked, <laughs> and there were three episodes <laughs> that I thought were I don't know middling middling basically frustrating. And one of the things that I realized later was that the three episodes I really liked were the first three they produced, and they were all produced mm. in the, what they call the first production block, which means they all had the same director. They were the first three they made, and then there was a little pause, and then they came back and made the last three. And apparently... Yeah, I would be curious if you know which episodes those were. Yeah, yeah. So that was episode one, The Halloween Apocalypse, which I thoroughly enjoyed. I thought, you know, th- th- there's not a lot of coherency to it, but there's a lot of, like, big crazy ideas being introduced and then, like, being left to intrigue you. I, I thoroughly enjoyed that. I also think it-, it involves one of my, like, favorite new ideas in Doctor Who, which is the Lupari, a race of dogmen that are man's best friend. Each of them is encoded to be the companion animal to a particular human on Earth. I thought that was crazy and makes no sense in a really fun way. So, And then there's the second episode, which was War of the Santarans, which in my opinion, was one of the better use of the recurring enemies, the Santarans. And it was a, a semi-historical episode too. Yes, yeah, featuring Mary Seacole, which was really cool. And I did not know anything about Mary Seacole until I watched the episode and then did some subsequent like reading about her. So that was that was a lot of fun. And then skipping over the third episode, there was the fourth one, Village of the Angels, which was, I don't know, maybe the best one of the season in my opinion. Yeah, I was wondering. The Village of the Angels was also a pretty strong one to me. Yeah, I thought those were the those are the best ones. And then there was like the third episode, which was part of the second production block that was called Once Upon Time, which that was a really strange and muddled mess of things thrown together, some of which were kind of cool and a lot of which I kind of didn't understand. Um, and then there was the fifth and sixth episodes, which which brought it all to some kind of conclusion. And from, from what I understand, it was originally supposed to be eight episodes. And at some point between the production blocks, there was a shakeup in either who was writing which episodes or how many episodes there were going to be. And so at that point, they had to like massively rearrange things. And that may be the reason why one of the production blocks seems so much better than the other to me. It's weird <laughs> to know to know things. I don't know because I don't yeah. I don't watch other shows in this way where I like am keenly aware of the production histories of them. This is just part of being like deep in the Doctor Who fan community that I hear rumors and fan speculation, and also occasionally I know someone who knows someone who worked on the show. <laughs> And someone will say, oh, I heard from so-and-so that he was contracted to write an episode but had to pull out at the last minute for personal reasons. So that that got scrapped. And this was after they filmed the first production block. So it must have been intended for the second one. That's just an example. That's not a specific thing that happened. Yeah, you kind of have that, not insider look, but you have like that. Uh, to to me, like to me, Doctor Who is sort of like the way I imagine sports, the r- relationship <laughs> people who follow sports. That's what I have to Doctor Who. But yeah, there there is a 
ways to like uh I don't know. For for my level of investment of in Doctor Who as a show, I should not be listening to as many Doctor Who podcasts <laughs> as I do, but I sure do. <laughs> and I feel like that is sort of like in certain circles, right? It can be a, a like sports equivalent. I think <laughs> that that's is, very true. That is how I treat it. Yeah, I think some of the discussion about it, around it can be like, you know, the commentators in the pregame show before a big game. I'm talking about like, well, we, we've had a really good showing from Chris Chibnall this season, but after his injury, like things like things like that. I don't know that Chris Chibnall is injured. I don't I don't. That's not a no. thing. But anyhow. Yeah, that sounded good to say. <laughs> sure. It's a in thing, an it's, announcer voice. It's a thing probably. that I think sports people talk about. Yeah. Um, <laughs> injuries. Yeah, I try to be in as close proximity to Doctor Who as I'm still like having a good time with it. Mm. Um, and sometimes that that varies. Um, like, I think Doctor Who Flux for me like reminded me in, in ways people were talking about reminded um, them of like a, some you know earlier seasons with different showrunners that they really enjoyed and for me at a lot of times it was reminding me of like ah yes this is like Doctor Who doing things that I see and maybe are not for me but I can have a good time with it mm. um, that is that is good that is good yeah <laughs> A uh, brief, brief moment for in the next time trailer. This is right. Major spoilers for Doctor Who Flux. Um, they show um, Lupari, Calvinista. Calvinista, yeah. Carvinista like doing this this very mournful howl yeah like you know no context in the next time trailer and we thought it was funny <laughs> and then oh, whoops this scene in context is um every single one of the other members of his species have just been killed yeah. and he lets out a mournful howl and sometimes I have to take a step back with sort of Doctor Who as a show's like callous disregard for life mm. And the amount of time it, like, spends for some lives that are important and then the amount of time it really glosses over for for other lives that are just – we're just moving on and (laughs) it's fine. Yeah. Well, I think that last episode was a whole lot of we're just moving on. (laughs) And sometimes that really jars when it's like, oh, his entire species just died (laughs) and it happened off screen. And in fact, we've never actually seen another member of his species on on screen, but they all just died off screen and then we just kind of shrug and then we're on to the next thing. Yeah. Doesn't always work. And I do wonder if that was part of the compressed nature of like, well, we have eight episodes of story that we got to fit into six episodes. So I guess. Yeah. In a way that is like a little sad when it's like a fun new creation where it's like, oh, they popped into existence and now all but one has popped out of existence. But you know when Daleks and Santarans and Cybermen are all like destroyed, mm. quote unquote, yeah. destroyed, it's not going to stick. Right, right. And and maybe the Lupari will be back too. Who knows? <laughs> I think it's too fun of an idea for like future writers not to do something with. So yeah, I think that's one of my, like, my favorite new Doctor Who species and, and possibly my favorite new Doctor Who character in, in quite some time is, is, is Carvanista. <laughs> He's just a grumpy dog man. <laughs> and, uh, I love him. Transitioning from from this to a related adjacent topic, this is my segue between this and actually talking about the coronavirus. There is a Doctor Who convention in February, supposedly, Mm. which I have been planning to attend, and I no longer know if it's going to happen. Yeah. (laughs) Because things have gotten a whole lot worse very quickly in the past couple weeks with the Omicron variant. Yeah. 
it's it's happening. <laughs> yeah. How is that affecting you? I, I mean, for me, I've, you know, talked about like Hanukkah was early this year. So I did sort of all my traveling was sort of already done and happened as um, um, Omnicron was like becoming known. And I don't really have to make those choices. But I mean, I was not planning already to do traveling in December. And yeah, it does. <laughs> put plans into flux again and there really is like a sense of deja vu like being in December with COVID cases surging and yet not a lot of support and it feels like a lot of places are over it. Mm. Yeah I think one of the big differences for me is that last December we felt like oh the vaccines are on the horizon and that's really going to change things and the vaccines didn't change things because a lot of people either haven't been able to or have just rejected them. Yeah. And so now I don't have like a thing on the horizon where I'm like, oh, wow, things are going to get brighter only as soon as as soon as that vaccine's ready. Like, I don't have that to look forward to. Yeah. And, and it's like there are ways in which the vaccines did change things. And especially or I guess now boosters also like especially having um, kids under 12, I think, what is it, 5 to 12, being able to get vaccines. Mm. I haven't directly, like, talked to some of my family members about this, but I don't know if there is still sort of a sense of, like, do they feel it is inevitable or preventable to make choices to never get COVID? Because for me, sort of more and more, it's like the most I can do, I feel like, is take steps to reduce that likelihood but I can't know <laughs> like I can't do things going through life like if I do this this and this I won't get COVID and I can have any certainty of that yeah but that sort of feels like more and more I I, I don't know if it's resignation but it's like there's just a lot of close calls and a lot of like, I, I, I don't want to feel like callous or like I'm not taking precautions, but it's also like I don't want it to feel like it is a moral failing or like the end of the world if and when this, you know, illness ends up affecting me or affecting people in my family closer. Yeah, it becomes more and more inevitable as time goes on and as the variants change. And I think it's still too early to say what the difference between Omicron and other variants are, but it does sound like it's more transmissible. Yeah. Even than Delta, which was more transmissible than the, you know, standard vanilla COVID. Yeah. My sister had COVID in November and she lives in New York. And so she had to go to an isolation hotel mm. for a while. And now her roommate has it. And so my sister is coming back from New York to our childhood home in Rhode Island today. I think she's probably already there by now. And she's boosted and she's taking frequent tests like and retests uh, just to make sure that she doesn't have it again. And yeah, I don't know. It's... I feel like we're all battening, battening the hatches for the worst. I don't actually know the origin or meaning of what battening hatches are. Like, I don't know how a hatch gets it's, battened. But. It might be a like boat ship terminology. Yeah, probably. Mm. Um, and one thing I will also say is that there's this, um, there's this unpleasant aftertaste to the hot pep <laughs> that I don't uh, – it's, it's kind of starting to bother me. And I keep – the thing is I keep trying to remove it by going back and taking another sip of the hot pep, which does temporarily – temporarily like because I get the good taste that I like, that mm -hmm. good hot pep taste that I crave, which 
Hmm. Yeah, which is nice. But then, like, I feel like each time it gets a little bit less and less lasting and the aftertaste just comes back and I'm probably just making it worse for myself. But uh, that has nothing to do with COVID as far as I know, unless there are medicinal properties to Dr. Pepper. Anyhow, yeah, yeah. I'm, I, I think that uh, I'm, I'm very anxious about everything now. <laughs> and, uh, I feel like the, the COVID anxiety is, is, gonna, is just mounting and is going to continue to climb. Yeah. One thing I'm not going to be able to articulate well, but I'll try. There was a recent episode of like a science fiction podcast I listened to where the topic was, do you suffer from historic amnesia? And they were looking at the sort of last big pandemic and the ways people were at that time personally talking about dealing with the pandemic and then also like sort of government messaging at that time and then sort of like people in history talking about that pandemic and the different ways we kind of like societally intentionally or you know just maybe learn the wrong lessons or learn different lessons about going through a pandemic just you know like some of the messaging at that time from the government was talking about like the virus as a war because they were very close to world wars Mm. and like it being kind of like a patriotic thing to (laughs) not get sick and I feel like we're at, like, right now, obviously, it's like we're in it, and yet I feel like some amount of distance where it's like, I want to (laughs) know, I already kind of want to know the end of this story. (laughs) It it would be much more interesting (laughs) to not be living through this part of the variants continuing couple of years part of the coronavirus saga, Mm. but we are living through it. And I think, I I mean, I think that's why I like doing this podcast. I've been kind of bad and anxious about like re-listening to some of our episodes recently because I both, it's like, I think it's good to have that record, but it's also like a little protective where it's like, maybe I don't want to remember right now, like the ways I was, you know, thinking and being maybe hopeful or completely off base uh, months and months ago. Yeah, it's kind of a weird function of the fact that I'm very behind on editing the show. <laughs> that uh, not to call you out. That, that yeah, it's um, the, I think the one I'm editing right now and will hopefully have up tomorrow is from August. So yeah, it's a uh, yeah, it's a it's a retrospective, and this one will be up. Who knows when? Perhaps we'll already know whether the Doctor Who convention happened or not. Um, and perhaps, I don't know, we'll know many things in the future that will make us look back on December 21st and say, huh, we were so naive. We didn't know that the uh, Omega variant was coming uh, or, or that like the super cure or that like we're going to get, you know, immunity in the water supply or something. Yeah. Or the Lupari we're going to return. Yeah. Yeah. We didn't even know. We didn't know. Anyhow, uh, feels weird. Feels weird. It does. It does. My stance on living in a pandemic. It does feel weird, and I don't want to live in a pandemic, but but we are living in a pandemic. Do you want to suggest new action items? Yeah, I can do that. I can, as I often do, glance around my surroundings and come up with an action item for sure. Hmm. I have one. Go for it. And the action item I have is that you should create a goal for for 2022 not not like a new year's resolution so much as like a concrete numerically driven goal for like i will do this particular thing 22 times or i will climb all 13 floors of my building 
when I go in in the morning or something like that. I don't know. Some, some kind of like concrete measurable goal so that you can know at the end of the year whether you succeeded or failed. That's a good one. I think um, my action item will be to play a game. I do that a lot. <laughs> <laughs> Pick a game and play that game. Do you have any recommendation? Um, I do not. I'll have to find one. Mm. Just the other day I played a game called The Quiet Year. Are you familiar with this game? I am, yeah. Um, I've listened to people play it. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. Good game. Highly recommended. Good game. Play a game, set a goal. Love it when they're short and catchy action items. Yeah. Three-word action items are the best. <laughs> uh, yeah. Some of our longer ones are good, too. But it's nice when we have two three-word action items. Yeah. And I'm more grateful than ever for the format of our show, sort of, no matter how <laughs> bleak it can get. Boy, do we have those action items to get us back. Yeah, yeah. Somehow. Somehow, somehow we uh, managed to pull ourselves out with... With action. With action. Action and the associated items. Then I think we should sign off. So um, what are we going to do between now and the next time we record? We are going to stay distant. Stay so, so distant. And also, we are going to go the distance. <laughs> <laughs>